0: Thanks to Indeed for supporting the Apple Bits XL. Right now, small businesses have to be more efficient than ever. Every hire is critical, so go to Indeed, the number one job site in the world. Get a free $75 credit at indeed.com/applebits. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. All right, everybody, let's get to the show. <music> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the show. It's the Apple Bits XL. Brian Tong here, AKA BTZ. Do it in nice, slow, and easy. Welcome to the Apple Bits XL. This is the weekly show that really covers all the biggest stories inside that bubble, I guess appleville apple nation we're all stuck in it in the ecosystem also we do talk about other stories in the tech world that are related and maybe connected to apple so this is where you're all going to find it for those of you that are new to the show for those of you who are regulars thank you so much for coming out you know how to be a part of the show all you got to do is call in record a voice memo on your device and then send it along to applebitsshow at gmail.com that's applebitsshow with a z and we've got some great calls here. I love when there's recent announcements because you all start getting all itchy and you want to talk about it. We got calls this week as well. This week, we've got Apple iPhone rumors reports. We've also got some Apple Watch follow-up, iOS 14 follow-up, and a few other little majiggers here and there. So it's going to be a good one. Also, thanks so much for supporting this show. Patreon.com slash Brian Tong is the way to do it. For those of you who support already, I am so grateful. For those of you who haven't or been on the fence, I know the times are crazy, but I would greatly appreciate it. Starting at $2 per month, to go up to $5, which is like a cup of coffee per month. 10, 25, the $100 platinum level. By supporting this Patreon, you get early access to content, bonuses at different levels, and a completely ad-free version of this podcast. It matters. So patreon.com slash Tong is the way to do it. All right, let's jump in the show. This is episode 139. Thank you for rolling with us this deep. This is crazy, but I think the big news this week out of all the stuff, nothing earth-shaking because now we're kind of in that lull as we build up to the next keynote event. And that date might happen on October the 13th. According to multiple reports now, Apple's iPhone 12 event, Could happen on Tuesday, October the 13th. Based on a few sources, MacRumors has an employee at a UK cellular carrier telling them that the 13th is the day that Apple will be holding their announcement. We've got Apple Insider who said, hey, their own contact from a Dutch mobile operator says October 13th will be the announcement date for the iPhone 12 lineup. And then we also have John Prosser who, man, I feel like a month ago or so, said that it would happen on the week of October the 12th. And he's also confirming and saying that, yes, October the 13th is the date. Again, none of this has been officially confirmed by Apple, but mark your calendars right now. I can't imagine it not having happening on October the 13th now. That is a Tuesday. And then the belief is that pre-orders for the iPhone 12 lineup will then be available on the 16th of October, which would be that Friday. And then they would ship and launch on the 23rd, which would be the following week, Friday, the catch here is that we still do not expect every phone model of this iPhone 12 lineup to ship at the same date. It looks like it'll be staggered. There's multiple reports. One is saying we'll probably see the 5.4-inch iPhone and the 6.1-inch iPhone, kind of the lower of the four, two of the four, come out on that 23rd. And then later on, we'll get the iPhone 12 Pro family. Now, the other thing I was just throwing out recently is that love to dream who's an Apple leaker on Twitter, he just put out a little tweet and all it said was 12 mini, 12, 12 pro, and 12 pro max. Indicating that this would be the name of the lineup and if you saw my video, you saw what I said, like 5.4 inches is now what Apple is calling a mini? There's gonna be a lot of disappointed guys out there regarding the name mini for the iPhone 5.4 inch because that's just like a normal size phone to me. I know that they're going all the way up to the 6.7, but if this this is true, the 5.4 inch iPhone 12 will be called the iPhone 12 mini. The 6.1 inch regular iPhone 12, again, dual lens. So similar to the 5.4 inch dual lens cameras. All these phones are expected to have 5G. All these phones are expected to still bring the notch. All these phones are expected to bring the newest processor, potentially an A14, which is, Highly likely, but you never know. Maybe they threw a curveball at us. Um, So the 5.4 inch will be the mini. The first 6.1 inch with dual lens camera will be the iPhone 12, reportedly. Then the second 6.1 inch with the triple lens camera and the LiDAR sensor would be the iPhone 12 Pro. And then the 6.7 inch with the triple lens camera, LiDAR sensor will be the 11, sorry, the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Hopefully I didn't confuse yourself there. It's a lot to like store in this brain, but mini 12, 12 pro, 12 pro max. That's the lineup. Now people were like, come on, that you're not going to call this the mini. you, you really going to do that? Well then just recently alleged photos depicting the stickers from some unreleased silicone iPhone cases. Cause this is how deep we have to reach sometimes says on the labeling, and outright calls the lineup, one sticker has, it's printed in, you know, polished, finalized label tech, iPhone 12 mini, iPhone 12 Pro, and iPhone 12 Pro Max. So, (laughs) I don't know, I, I think actually of that lineup, the I'm gonna argue, again with pricing, we saw how great and how successful the iPhone 12 SE was, That iPhone 12 mini looks pretty appealing for 5.4 inches. Looks pretty good, but we'll see how it all shakes out. You know, we've heard, I feel like when I regurgitate all the stats about the iPhone 12, it gets old. So I'll just wait till we kind of do another, a few more episodes. And right before it's about to hit, we'll just do the incomplete deep dive breakdown. But there you have it. 12 mini, 12, 12 pro, and 12 pro max. Again, the dates would be, announcement on October 13th, pre-order on October 16th, official launch October 23rd, depending on which models are available. Also, new images of what is believed to be a leaked iPhone 12 braided USB-C lightning cable. So this would be, which would then again push to the fact that these iPhones still aren't expected to be getting USB-C on the port of the phone, but still stick with Apple's lightning connector where they still make a lot of licensing money off of that with how it connects to other third-party accessories and things of that nature. So this braided cable, is kind of like that fabric braided cable if you've used or seen it um, on the HomePod or on Apple's uh, <laughs> Pro, Pro Display XDR, things of that nature, You'll, you'll know what it is. Other companies have had this kind of fabric braided coating on the cable. It doesn't tangle nearly as much. And so it's been leaked some photos of this. And the idea or the thinking is that this is the next cable for the iPhone. It's classy. I mean, what? They're going to reportedly get rid of the earpo- earbuds, earpods, and they're going to get rid of the power adapter. So, you know, they'll make it up by getting us a fancy fabric braided cable that everyone asked for. We'll see. Also, in an update to the iPhone right now, you might want to get on this if you haven't already. We saw that iOS 14 rolled out recently. iOS 14.0.1 fixes a bug that reset the default apps after rebooting. Now, one of the features in iOS 14 is that you can choose specific apps as the default. For example, your mail app, you can choose something like Outlook or Gmail to now be your default mail app. App when you click on links or want to send mails out like that, it'll use that instead of Apple's mail program. Super cool. So it would reset that from happening. So now, if you update to fourteen point zero point one, it makes that fix so that that won't change anymore. Also, there were some issues where uh, the Apple Wallet and payment cards in Watcho and WatchOS seven connected to that were disabled for some users. So fourteen point zero point one, it's not a major revolutionary update, but it's there. I think the biggest thing that's crazy about iOS 14 though is I don't know if you gun guys and gals are doing it, but are you are you going widget custom icon crazy? Because I'll tell you right now, I'm not. There's basically a few steps that you can take. You can see everyone's like putting up online and it's gangbusters and it's fun because now literally whatever it is, eight, ten years later, you can customize your iPhone basically look like whatever you want. You can literally change the individual icons of the apps you launch. It basically uses the shortcut app where you can assign an image that you downloaded from the internet and then kind of reshape it or size it to be the new icon for whatever app icon you have. And I think it's interesting. The only thing that bugs me is that because the shortcut app is facilitating it, when you hit it, it doesn't jump directly that. It jumps to the shortcuts app for a split moment. You see a screen and then it goes to your app. Now, some people don't care and that's fine. I care. So I actually haven't changed mine. Like because I didn't change mine, I'm like, ah, uh, I'll let someone else do a video on that. And oh boy, did people do videos on that. <laughs> so that's one of the caveats. The other caveat is if you change the icon of your apps to a custom app, which will look slick uh, the notifications bubble no longer shows up, at least as of now. So just something to consider, but widgets, custom icons, Apple is becoming Android and the community is freaking out. It's like they've never experienced this before. And it's kind of funny. It's honestly funnier to me to just see like how people are reacting to this. But and then you have some purists that are complaining like, how could Apple do such a thing? Well, I actually I'm okay with it because they kind of they may you're allowed to do it. And you can complain that it's not a pure iOS experience, but you know I don't know if you like seeing an extra screen and that split second of delay pop up because you're running that shortcut app just to show a new icon. I think that in the future, Apple should just build this directly into the OS, into the settings and allow us to change the icon now that they see how wild and crazy everyone is going for it. That might've honestly been part of the motivation of it. Like, hey, we'll we'll see how people do this through the shortcuts app. And everyone is freaking out. There's all, there's a bunch of um, really cool, custom widget apps out there as well. One of them that is super popular is a widget Smith that allows you to kind of tweak it a little bit. So check those out. There's, I'm sure there's more coming. Um, but the whole iOS 14 widget customization, it's a movement, man. People, people are loving it. Yeah. It's dessert. I mean, honestly. After years of not even just being so locked down, that's a that's a great apple. I love it. All right, one thing maybe not to love though, we're gonna jump over to the Apple Watch. And if you've heard about this or not, remember I had Lance Ulanoff on the show last episode, and we he was raving, raving about the solo loop. That's the non-buckle, non-hinge, just a complete singular loop that goes around your wrist. And Lucky for him, Apple sent him the proper size. Um, I'm waiting for mine to come in. I'm pretty sure I didn't get the correct size because it sounds like most people, based on Apple's kind of measurement tool that you would cut out with paper and wrap around your wrist, may not be that accurate. Now, the report is that earlier this week, if you bought an Apple Watch with a solo loop and the solo loop didn't fit, and for most people they said, um, it actually isn't as snug as you think, you probably want to choose one or two sizes lower than what you saw when you wrapped it around your wrist. So people started asking, Apple, my solo loop doesn't fit. They wanted to return it. But at the time, if you wanted to return it, you would have to return your entire watch and the loop as a set. And people were frustrated about this, but if your wristband doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. So there's a group of people that returned their Apple watch and solo loop. And then if they wanted to reorder, it would come in like late October, early November, depending on the model. But all the solo loop stuff is pretty much, you could pretty much say it's like sold out right now. Even if you're lucky enough to have an Apple retail store that's open in your area, you might be able to you know, go in and try them on. You'll have better luck there. So Apple reacted and people were pissed about that, obviously. And so Apple changed their policy and is now allowing people to facilitate the return without returning the actual watch face that they just bought. And then in the meantime, while you wait for that correct sport loop size, solo loop size, while well, I called it sport loop, solo loop size, you'll be getting one of their original sport bands to hold you over in the meantime. So they're doing the right thing here. This is what I've typically found, not with Ben Gate or the battery gate because they try to hide that stuff. But when it's something more, I guess, cosmetic like this that everyone can see, Apple tends to react pretty fast. We saw that with AntennaGate. We saw that with this. Um, what's another example? You guys all might remember more off the top of your head, but they react pretty quickly. So they've resolved this issue. I have no problem with what they did here. I think I think they took care of this. I think this, this was definitely, you know, I'll give them some love. This is a good Apple.
1: Yes! Yes!
0: Yes! Hey, customer service matters. It matters in, in this day and age, all right? Now let's check this out iFixit did a teardown of the new Apple Watch Series 6 and the Apple Watch SE, and they found some interesting things. Now, I told you that force touch is no longer part of the Apple Watch Series 6, which is a bummer. Um, When they tore it apart, they revealed that there is no force touch sensor in the display at all. So that component has been completely torn out of the Apple Watch Series 6. And that makes me sad because that is really a true indicator of the death of the uh force touch and 3D touch. I mean, once you take out the components, they aren't coming back. There are two things that benefit from this though. Uh I fix it in their teardown, they revealed that when you look at the two sizes of the watches, so the 40mm, which is the smaller watch face, and the 44mm, which is the larger one, the battery has increased in size, and the Taptic engine has also been slightly modified. Okay, but More than anything, force touch is gone. The battery on the 44 millimeter Apple Watch Series 6 compared to the Series 5 is 3.5% larger, a slight increase. The battery on the 40 millimeter model is 8.5% increase over the Series 5. So that's a little more significant, really. I've got to imagine, we don't know the official word, that this extra battery juice is really being allocated to the longer always on display. And I got my Apple Watch Series 6 And I'm starting to test it. And I'm going to put out my full review next week sometime. But I'm going to tell you, I don't use my Apple Watch actually any different at all. Even the always-on, because when the always-on screen is on, the actual, not only is it a little dimmed out, and yes, it's brighter in the new Series 6, the actual watch face is kind of, it shrinks down a little bit. And then it pops up when you look at it. I can't see anything on it when it's shrunken. It's too hard. So it doesn't really still... With the brighter always on, and I was not compelled to go from a Series 4 to Series 5 with the new always on, it doesn't make a difference with how I use it. But again, my uh, review will be coming out soon. Um, Overall, Series 6, I could have an SE, I could have a 4, I could have a 5. I really wouldn't use it. Very different. I did the blood oxygen level monitoring. I tested it out. Cool, but... I'm not, for me and my health concerns, it doesn't have any effect on me. The ECG, it's there, but it doesn't have any effect on how I use my watch daily. So, you know, eh, it's kind of a push to me. Also, coming up, Ming Chi Quo, we've talked about mini LED displays in Apple's lineup forever. This is kind of just a quick update. And he reports that the mini LED displays will debut which product, right? Everyone wants to know which Apple product is gonna come in first. It'll debut in Apple's next iPad Pro. So Apple has been accelerating their adoption of mini LED displays, um, specifically in the on the production side right now. They've had a little bit of supply chain issue, according to Quo. He reports here that Apple's mini LED will be mass produced in the fourth quarter of 2020, but due to yield issues related to the production process of the display, The fourth quarter 2020 display shipments have been revised down by 50% to 300,000 to 400,000 units. We believe that the mini LED display in the fourth quarter of 2020 will be used for the new iPad Pro. And the expectation is that that iPad Pro would not see the light of day until 2021, at least for consumers. Now, Ming-Chi Kuo has pretty much said there's about six products or so iPad-related macbook pro related that will come with the mini led display and this is an improvement over their current displays you get larger amount of leds anywhere from a thousand to ten thousand and this gives you deeper blacks brighter brights more vibrant colors a better contrast compared to like the current led displays so this is going to be special it's going to be nice it still probably won't be able to top samsung's galaxy uh what is it the galaxy tab s7 plus that is using a ridiculous oled display so it's nice that apple is you know improving their technology but i'm just saying for all you out there go look at that display uh i guess not in a store because stores don't open but it's pretty pretty nice All right. Thanks again to Indeed for sponsoring this episode. Resilience is known as the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties. This is as crucial in business. It's crucial in health. And if you're in charge of hiring, it should be in every job description. Whether you're ready to make your next important hire or need some rehiring tips, Indeed is here to help. Now, Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. So right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com AppleBits. This is their best offer available anywhere. So go right now to Indeed.com AppleBits. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. All right, we got some stories here about Apple and kind of what they're doing behind the scenes, at least with the content and apps and features game, like as they continue to kind of expand things. And I like this one because it has to do with podcasts, but Bloomberg reported that they had earlier this year purchased the podcast app Scout FM. Now, I'm not sure if any of you use this, but what made it unique is that this app basically generated podcast stations that, and these stations are based on topics you know, you could do cooking or Apple or finance or self-care, whatever that is. But within these stations or topics that you chose, it would then kind of group and find podcasts related to that topic and allow you to listen to them. Um, it also offered up recommendations based on your listening history and personal preference. Now, their website itself is now down because Apple has acquired them. But I thought that it was it was kind of a cool, curated podcast experience based on the type of podcast you already listen to. And I think right now, being a podcaster myself, the main way people are gonna find your podcast is either really word of mouth, it's probably arguably number one, and then if someone happens to go to the podcast um, app section on whatever platform they're using, if you have enough money and you're promoted and you can promote yourself or advertise it, that's how you get on there. Or if you're on the top list and what people typically only drill down, maybe five to 10 deep. So this app itself, or this function, if Apple bundles this into their podcast service, or I wouldn't say into Apple Music, but just being able to get you know, a podcast that is arguably the top Apple podcast based on ratings, based on streams, based on reviews, like the Apple Bits XL, then maybe it'll kind of pop up in people's little algorithm and show up like that. Because really right now, the only way for it to pop up is to get reviews um, listens, obviously, and then also have people comment on it. So I'm kind of curious about this Scout FM acquisition and then how Apple uses it. There's also a lot of competition in the podcast space. We've seen how Spotify has just made massive investments into the podcasting area. So kind of almost in turn, Apple, who owned the podcast space, who arguably was that company that helped usher in this whole idea of podcast being... You know, it was a hobby for the longest time and people were listening to it and all of a sudden it started getting monetized and people were like, oh my gosh, I can actually build a business off of this. And it's part of my business. I can't build an entire business off of my podcast. It's kind of one of the slices of pie I do to make this happen. And thanks to your support as well. But I like this idea and it is weird because I do feel like people are listening to podcasts less because we're home now. I always listen to podcasts the most when I'm on the road, commuting or driving. It tended to be my personal time to really listen and dig into those so but i know people are listening at home just i think taking people away from their commute has overall affected podcasts so we'll see how that integration ends up happening and what type of feature they might even roll out a feature that we don't even know about it just recommends the next upcoming podcast when you're done with yours another cool one that gamers are gonna love no i'm sorry fortnite is not coming back anytime soon Oh, it's so sad. You know, that that actually directly affected my family because before we would all be able to jump on and play together and people would be on iOS devices and PCs and consoles. Well, now all of my nieces and nephews that used an iOS device, it just, you can't use it. So people have kind of been more creative or not as many people can jump on at the same time or they have to use devices and switch off. Like that actually affected how we played the game. But this is pretty cool. Upcoming Xbox app update is gonna let Xbox Xbox users stream games to the iPhone and iPad. So this is not taking advantage of Xbox's Game Pass service, which is a game streaming service from the cloud. Although Apple changed kind of their terms in their app store to allow it to happen if every game is submitted on an individual basis as a standalone app that is can be plugged into the streaming service. And no one's gonna do that, let's be real. But... The Xbox app will allow you to set up new consoles and Q games, but specifically play remotely on an iOS device from your console. This is being um, tested right now, but at least um, people that have access to the app and the test flight version of the app says that it's here. Now this is obviously, I don't know how many of you have done this, but the PS4 has remote play and their app does similar things on Apple's iPhones and iPads. so. Remote play lets PS4 gamers use the Wi-Fi on an Apple, use it over Wi-Fi on an Apple device. Um, Xbox's streaming feature will not work outside of the home as well. So they're same in that way. What kind of cool stuff coming? If you're an Xbox gamer, you gotta love that. And Apple TV Plus users, I know, you know, other than the morning show, I have not come back to Apple TV Plus. I don't know if this next piece of content will, but Apple has paid 40 plus million dollars for the worldwide rights to the upcoming film called Cherry. Now, if you're not familiar with this, you'll definitely be familiar with the people that are involved in it: the Russo brothers. Um, let's see, Winter Soldier, Civil War, Infinity War, Endgame. You know, just a just a few of the biggest movies of all time. They're actually directing the movie Cherry. It's a crime drama that's an adaptation of a novel by Nico Walker and who's starring in the movie? Oh, the heartthrob, Tom Holland. I actually got to interview him a while back uh, before he blew up, blew up, but he's a really cool guy. Um, Tom Holland is going to be the lead in this movie that will be exclusively, likely, on Apple TV+. He's going to play a Cleveland man named Walker who joins the army after being spurned by the love of his life because heartbreak has to do things We maybe wouldn't normally do at times. But he becomes an army medic in Iraq and then is traumatized by the experience suffering from PTSD. And then it talk and then it showcases what happens to him after that. He's treated with oxycontin. And then it leads to an heroin addiction. And then he starts robbing banks. This is a very uh Tom Holland-esque movie that you're used to seeing him in. (laughs) And this we, we know when I read the content of this, this sounds like an actually way more mature piece of content. At least compared to what Apple originally started with, and Apple had shut down some some uh projects because it was a little too racy. Remember there's the Dr. Dre biopic. Um, there's another one with uh, I forgot Richard Gere and someone else that was a little too violent or dark. This doesn't seem like the brightest, but hey, if it's the Russo brothers and Tom Holland, you're gonna put down that cheddar. So the rights to the film Cherry come to Apple TV Plus um early 2021 on Apple TV Plus. Hmm. Should I renew for that? Probably not. Also, in the tech world around Apple, you've kind of seen people react to what Apple's done. The iPhone SE was easily a massive success for Apple. Their top-selling phone after it was announced um, by units. I don't know if you can really beat that price of three ninety-nine for that phone in a mid-range. But Samsung, kind of reacting. So look, we got the iPhone SE. We still don't know what SE stands for. Doesn't stand for Special Edition. It doesn't, but Samsung is releasing the Galaxy S20 FE, the fan edition. I It just made me laugh because, honestly, Samsung's putting out ridiculous phones, quite honestly, but, you know, they even had to play off of <laughs> SE and go with FE. It's like, yo. Now, it comes in different colors. The price is a little higher than the iPhone SE. It's more of kind of a mid-range price at 699 but this is a... Arguably a pretty dang flagship-esque phone. It's a 6.5-inch display. 6.5-inch Super AMOLED 120Hz display. All right, that's already gonna be a huge jump over the iPhone SE. You got the triple camera lens, 12-megapixel primary with optical image stabilization, 12-megapixel ultra-wide, 8-megapixel 3X telephoto. So the cameras are way better than the iPhone SE. You got Snapdragon 865, 128 gigs of storage, micro SD card slot support. So it's a it's a beast. And for $699, you, there, there's a lot of value in there. And then you have Apple's iPhone SE 399 that's selling like hotcakes because it's Apple and it's 399 Apple phone. And it has the same processor brain as the current iPhone 11. That thing was genius. Also not sure, you know, if, or how Apple is going to react to this. Amazon dropped a boatload of new products. Chief amongst them, one of them was this unbelievable because Amazon and Ring are based like are one and the same. Amazon owns Ring. Ring does the security like home cameras and doorbells and things of that nature. Ring announced a what they call the Always Home Cam which is a $250 drone based security system. This basically piece this drone which rests in a stand floats out and flies around your house when it detects motion and records it in 1080p it's a flying drone home security cam you can even set it on a path to monitor your house this is crazy this is scary and i freaking want one (laughs) now the other the real stuff that amazon announced that's a competitor to apple they announced new echo speakers um that look like basically orbs or big spheres. If you saw, oh man, what was it called? Was it called the Google Nexus? Was it called the Nexus? Or that was just their product line. I I can't remember the name, but Google had a smart speaker a long time ago and it was like an orb. And this is exactly what it is. It, It arguably steals the design outright. But instead of those kind of flat little discs that were a little thicker for Amazon Echoes, they're now doing orbs. I don't like the design. I mean, I'm sure they sound better and they better sound better, but. They look a lot more intrusive in your home. But see, Apple, this is where we talk about kind of the market share of smart speakers. The last time I had checked, I believed Amazon was somewhere around 50%. um, Google was around 20% and Apple was like two or 3%. It was really low. And so I'm just waiting to see when this HomePod mini is gonna come. Will it chip away a couple percent or so? Maybe. You know, uh, we know Apple won't really support many game streaming services. In fact, really none. I mean, they have their own Apple Arcade. Amazon released their own gaming streaming service called Luna. So they, they did a lot of cool little things and I'm just waiting for the next event, October 13th, to see what, what is Apple gonna drop on us? We got iPhone, we pretty much know what to expect. Let me see AirTags. Let me see HomePod mini. Just a gimmick to it, just give it. All right, everybody. That's gonna pretty much wrap it up for the news here. We know that, look, we take your calls. Love your calls. So all you have to do is record a voice memo of what's on your mind, what you want to talk about, thoughts, comments, criticisms, mail it out to applebitsshow at gmail.com. We're going to start off with my man, Trevor from Arizona.
2: Hey, Brian, Trevor from Arizona. Quick question for you. Apple One. So I pay for Apple Music and a little bit of iCloud storage, um, but I've also paid for a year of Apple Arcade. So my question is, if I want to go to Apple One and go to the monthly plan, which would still be cheaper because, I mean, that's really just like $2 more than I'm already paying a month, how would I get my money back for the money that I paid for the year of Apple Arcade? Also, I thought it was funny that you had a caller say that Apple Arcade is only for hardcore gamers. So unless you want to call my 6-year-old son a hardcore gamer... And Sneaky Sasquatch, a hardcore game. (laughs) um, I would argue that Apple Arcade is just for families that are sick of looking at ads every other minute when you're playing a free iOS game.
0: Yeah, hey, uh, Trevor from Arizona. So that, his name is key because a few videos ago on my YouTube channel, I basically make a joke that mocked me and said, oh, I bet you Trevor from Arizona is typing away at his keyboard writing this right now. So Trevor from Arizona exists in the Apple Bits nation, like a real Trevor from Arizona. That's awesome. So first of all, in, reg- in response to your Apple One question, we don't know. I mean, the thing is that Apple takes care of all the billing. Will they, my hunch is that since you've already paid for it, depending on how the final total evens out over time, maybe you get a credit or they just will credit your next renewal. But they have the records. They're going to make it work out to you, for you. They're not going to send you a sport band, though, I can tell you that much. <laughs> so we really, I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see how they do that. But if anything we know, they're not going to try and swindle you. You'll, you'll be taken care of there. And I completely agree with you with Apple Arcade. And I think the games are great. And it makes it easy. And the whole ads on games, I mean, I talked about this in my review. It is. It makes a difference. And I th- every game that I've come across on there when I first tried it out for that first month and a half or so, it's a quality service. It's just that I don't game enough or have enough time to to use it, but I think it's a great service for the Apple user. All right, next up, we got Ray from North Carolina.
2: What's up, B-Tong? Hey, uh, this is Ray from uh, North Carolina. So my question, man, is can you please, when it comes out, do a review of Apple Fitness Plus? Um, I guess that's one of the most things I'm excited about, uh, and it's going to determine whether or not I get a new Apple Watch. I've been still rocking the Series 1 from day one because I use my Apple Watch essentially like a fitness tracker, and up until this last update, I've gotten everything, and it can do everything that I need it to. Uh, Currently, I use the Peloton Fitness app with the Bowflex bike, and it works, but if this Apple Fitness can rival the peloton fitness i think uh i think i might have to give me a new new watch
0: thanks for everything you do peace out thanks for listening and supporting ray really appreciate it too bro um so you make some really good points here and i'm just as curious because so first of all i also use the peloton classes um, the bike and the actual, you know, me and my lady, we split the cost on that, and then you know you break it down monthly, so it, that helps a lot because it's not cheap. But a Peloton's platform is amazing, and syncing your now the fact that you can connect your Apple Watch to the bike makes it even more amazing. Um, to the new bikes now, here's the thing that I'm curious about, and Apple hasn't, at least I haven't seen this yet, and I looked around their site, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take a guess that Apple is gonna require an Apple Watch Series 3 or higher for Apple Fitness Plus. Uh, something tells me about it. That's just how Apple rolls, that they're going to do something along those lines. So that might, no matter what, make you you know, get a new Apple Watch. And you don't have to get a Series 3. Man, you could even get an SE because of the price point there. I'm not telling you to buy new hardware, but it might put you in a spot where it's going to force you to upgrade either way. Um, I'm definitely going to do a review with it. I'm super curious. It's Actually really fascinating to me how integrated the fact that not only can I just pop on the Apple Watch and see my metrics real time, but this service is compatible whether you're on your phone, tablet, computer, um, TV, or Apple TV. So that allows you to use it anywhere, almost anytime, at any place. And there, there's power in how convenient that can be when all you have to do is just have an Apple Watch right? So that's why that service, although not everyone is a fitness freak or into fitness, I think once they even just try it out, I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how it might even change their brains a little. It's going to come down to me of how how good the instructors are, how motivating they are, because I think Peloton's instructors are really, really good in general. And um, they kind of, you connect and you want to come back. So that, that's going to be another issue with this whole platform. But i'm fascinated just like you can't wait to check it out all right next up we got aaron
1: hey brian it's aaron hope from durham north carolina calling in about the apple watch um i own a series three or at least i did but you know i killed it like twice already um basically i work hard i play hard and there's something always going on with that watch where you know i'm swimming or I don't know, I'm working out or even at work, I'll, I'll hit something and the screen will just go black and it won't come back on anymore. And so when considering a new watch, um, I'm like, man, you know, I really need more protection. So was looking at the AppleCare Plus options. It looks like they actually put out an option for you to pay $2.49 per month um, in perpetuity, beyond the standard two years, it looks like. Um, and you would get up to two screen replacements per year. Um, I think that's a game changer and it's and it's big. You know, I'm like looking at something like that. And man, because otherwise, if you're out of warranty, you're paying up to three quarters the price of the watch to replace it. And almost anything that goes wrong with that watch, they're going to want to replace the whole thing or, you know, give you a refurbished uh, unit um, or the screen because of the way all the guts and everything are, uh, are, are manufactured. Um, so just wanted to share that and, uh, you know, get your thoughts and comments on that new model of, for AppleCare Plus. Um, I, I'm thinking I'm probably going to wind up going with the SC. Um, love the show, man. I'm going to be calling in some more. Take it easy. Peace.
0: What's up, Aaron. Hey, thanks so much for calling in. Um, the one thing that I do want to let people know about that, I think, you know, personally, I get Apple Care on all my products. Uh, at least the ones that are mobile, like phone. Actually, you know, phone, laptop, iPad, Apple Watch. Yeah, I do get them on all of them. Uh, it saved my butt enough times where it's been worth it. And you know, taking care of any service issue hasn't been a problem. And also, to be honest with you, historically, getting a lot of Apple Care has allowed me to say, "Hey, I'm a longtime customer. I've gotten Apple Care, um, and they've done things for me or made exceptions where maybe they wouldn't have if I never bought Apple Care." And the, honestly, in a weird way, that's how it should work. And no, I, I never said. I never said. Do you know who I am? Do you really? Because that's that's when you 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 start hearing the the crickets come out. Because that's not good. Um. So, anyways, Aaron, about the AppleCare, the thing to mention also is that even though you have two incidences of accidental damage, typically you do if it's an accidental incident like let's say a screen break or something like that um, you do have to pay a $69 service fee similar to I believe with the iPhone I think I paid around a $50 or $60 service fee when I had to get my screen replaced even if I had AppleCare on that so I just want to let you just point that out just in case you weren't sure but overall I'm quite honestly a, a big Apple Care supporter in general other than I don't I don't think I got it for my iMac years ago I don't know why, but <laughs> Ugh, I just didn't. it. right, final call comes just from Josh.
2: BTZ, this is Josh from Amber calling in. Love the show as always. I have some very simple questions. Um, first, do you think we will get an update to the Apple TV with a faster processor anytime soon? The second is, do you think we will ever see an iPad mini Pro without the home button? Um, you know, more uh, in line with the design language of the iPad Pro and the new iPad Air. The third is, when do you think we will see refreshed iPad Pros? Um, Anyway, uh, thanks for the great content, as always. Later.
0: All right, Josh. Uh, Thanks for always supporting and following, man. Really appreciate it. And a regular on the show. So you you hit me with three questions. Apple TV, will we see it this year? I hope we do. We saw tvOS 14. I think we still need the bump of the processor. I could, though, because... You know, there's a lot of demand for a new Apple TV, quite honestly, um, because it's getting a little longer in the tooth. I think it's been, is it been three years or so since they last updated it? But even if they update it with a new processor, other than adding HDMI 2.1 and the new OS, they they could kind of release that now or they could release it in spring. I'm going to, th- I'm just going to go out on a limb here. We don't know. There have been no indications. I hope that we see it for the holiday season. So I'm going to say yes and be totally wrong. Now for the iPad mini, when you said, will they bring a Pro design? I think the biggest thing that would prevent them from doing that is the fact that the iPad mini's cost is pretty low and it's not really looked as a premium product. And now that they have the iPad Air which has the design of the iPad Pro and then they have the iPad Pro which has the design of the iPad Pro, I'm I don't I don't see them necessarily changing the mini because I don't think it'll spike the numbers that much. I think the tablet market of what size people are using has pretty much been settled now and they would do it if they saw a massive spike in numbers of people getting the new ipad mini when they had recently done a refresh and it didn't happen so i'm gonna say no as for a refreshed ipad pro now that we've seen the ipad air it has the a14 maybe we get something like an a14z in the ipad pro because the iPad Pros using the A12Z are still technically faster from all indications, um, just based on the pure architecture of the chip, we don't have any benchmarks yet. The iPad Air 4 is coming out in October. I'm going to say Apple's going to stick with the current iPad Pro, and then we'll see it sometime in the first half of next year, maybe more likely, maybe more likely like spring, once the new mini LED displays are ready to do a processor and a display because I think that with the iPad Air now being at $699, you're gonna really need to bring even better value in the iPad Pro to make it even more special and not feel like, but all you did is just have a larger screen and a processor. So I'm gonna wait till those screens are ready. Let's say first half, maybe spring, March, April of 2021 for uh, the new iPad Pros. That's what I'm throwing out today. You can refer back to this call and I could be totally wrong because half the stuff that we talk about is speculation anyways. (laughs) It's just the way it is. All right, that's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you everyone for hanging out and supporting. First of all, we got to give our shout outs to our big platinum Apple sponsors at the $100 level at patreon.com slash Brian Tong, Brandon Ledford, Gil Cabrera, Wesley Frater, Jarrett Lewis, Eric Cohen. Thank you so much. And thank you all of you for your continued support. It's ridiculous. And I honestly couldn't, be doing all this stuff without you, it is a huge piece of this puzzle to make this all work. So patreon.com slash Tong is the way to support this. Um, We talked about it early in the show, but we will see what happens next week. We're really, what, two and a half weeks away from October 13th, roughly. So we're getting close. It's gonna get spicier before then, even though we know like 90% about the Apple iPhone, but I'm actually getting more excited about what else we might see there. I want to see everything we can possibly see about AirTags. I want to see a HomePod mini. Hey, throw in an Apple TV if you feel like it. Apple. Do what you do. Even those AirPod Studios headphones, there's just a lot, like I've said, like the past couple weeks, there's a lot that could come out at any time and kind of makes it fun. And also their presentations... They're pretty slick these days. I I don't mind watching those all the time. So thanks so much for hanging out, everybody. We will be back here next week, but that's going to do it for the Apple Bits XL. Take care. Be safe. We'll talk to you soon. Peace.